ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Giro podcast. I hope you guys are all well, wherever you are. Uh, for those of you who haven't listened to this podcast before, um, please go back and check out some of our previous episodes, uh, notably our, our last episode, which was with Sam Mutton, who is the, um, uh, the, the, the main coach, head coach of our team Masaka out in Uganda, which is very timely, you know, seeing as last weekend we saw Biniam Gourmet on the top step of the podium uh, at the Gentwolvangen being the first uh, African rider uh, to win a one-day classic. So it was a, a really momentous uh, sort of moment in our sport. A momentous moment, that's an interesting one. A, moment, a, a real kind of, you know, pivotal moment in our sport. And, uh, you know, what Masaka is, and Team Armani are doing in, in Uganda and other countries in East Africa is amazing. And it's amazing to see this Eritrean rider stand the, the, the top step. So very timely. So please go back and listen to that. Um, but on to today. Uh, I've been really looking forward to today's podcast. Um, this is with a good friend, Sven Thiele, who is the founder of Hot Chili. Sven, hello. Yeah, hi. I mean, it's wonderful to be here. I know we've been talking about this for ages, so it's an absolute privilege to be sitting here with you and chatting about things, Jordan. Oh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, so, I mean, you know, Sven, I've known you for, you know, for a number of years now. And, you know, we've had, you know, various sort of interactions, both from on a personal sense, but also on a, on a business level as well. And, you know, for many listeners, you know, you've, if, you know, or many, you know, people who frequent Jira, I'm sure, are very familiar with hot chili well i sure hope they are uh from the ride outs that you that we host here for you guys um you know you see all the ride leaders top to toe in some great looking kit all wearing matching bikes done very very professionally then obviously giro's done the uh, the hot chili uh, the London to Paris, uh, which actually we've got the photo of it just behind us uh, when the, our team oh, won the, the London to Paris in 2015, I think that was. 2015, I believe. And uh, you obviously I've, I've done that a couple of times, but obviously hosting your, your ride out. So I think the listeners have a pretty good understanding of kind of, or at least know who Hot Chili is. But the purpose of today's podcast is just to kind of have a chat with you, Sven, as the, as the main man of Hot Chili, the founder <laughs> Uh, and just talk about sort of your journey. Um, there's something on your website that I think is you know, pretty timely. It talks about uh, hot chili and it says, from the famous coals of the Grand Tours, hitting the Rubo cobbles, exploring the Atlas Mountains, to riding through game farms in South Africa, we've been on some jaw-dropping adventures. I think that's a, I think for many reasons, that's a pretty nice overview of hot chili. I, th I think it certainly is. I mean, it's one of the original desires and needs that I had as, as, as the founder of Hot Chili, which is to be able to go and do stuff that's not the norm and go and pioneer your way and feed your ambition and your desire. Yeah. And, and I think that's reflected into, in, you know, in all the events that we've done all over the world. It, it's, it's something that personally yeah. I would sign up for. Absolutely right. And I mean, you know, it's, you know, you just referenced there events that you've done all over the world and you have done events all over the world. I mean, we know you locally, you know, we see the local rides that you do and have continued to do over the years. Um, and I know that it started sort of quite small. Um, well, maybe let's go there, you know, because mm. we know what Hot Chili does. We know what it has done and, and some of the places that you've taken groups, which is, as you say, groundbreaking. But where did it start? Why, you know, how, how did it start? What was the original, what was the original moment, the original vision of Hot Chili? So 
Uh, it, w- it wasn't so much that there was a vision yeah. uh, for Hot Chili. I think there's, it was more that there was a need, both a need for myself and a need for other cyclists that were around it, <coughs> excuse me, in the late 90s. Mm. So if we remember what cycling was like for those of us who are old enough, I mean, it really was not a trendy sport. No, definitely it not. It was not fashionable in any, you just have to look at the clothing. It yeah. was awful. <laughs> um, and, but it was... A, a sport which, you know, just appealed to so many of my friends and myself. And we were predominantly, in those days I worked in the city, we were predominantly kind of city folk. So they were highly motivated individuals. And when they did something, they liked to do it properly. So, um, and what we found is that there weren't really any inspirational events that you could go and do. You know, for, for an amateur, you could go at best and go and do a Surrey League race or a British cycling race. And they were... You know, extremely competitive, but inhospitable and unfriendly. Yeah, yeah. And there was no sense of community or camaraderie. Yeah. Uh, you basically arrived at a, at a car park somewhere, changed into your bike kit, perhaps said hello to the person on either side. I can remember you used to get this kind of fold-out camping chairs and, yeah. and at the boot of the car and, and then prepare ourselves for the ride and the race. And then literally, you know, three minutes after the race finish, if you if there was a winner's check or a, or a podium check, you'd pick that up and and off you'd go and you'd be back home. So uh, we wanted we had a need to create a community and a, and a sense of community around cycling. And, yeah. and I think that's that's was the birth of Hot Chili. It wasn't called Hot Chili then. Uh, we created an event which was called the London Paris Cycling Tour in those days. So the London to Paris that was the original that was the first Correct. sort of uh, version as as what's now known as Hot Chili. Correct. So when was that? What, how, did, how did it come about? So that was 2003. And um, I'd done a, a number of events around the world, which were, there was a very well-known one, the MS-150 in Houston, Houston to Austin. I think oh, it's wow. 150 miles. Um, and then there is the uh, Cape Town Cycle Tour, which yeah, is yeah. very much known as the Argus, you know, yeah. 36, 37,000 riders. And they were very much kind of fun events, and mm. we didn't have that in, in, the, in the UK. So uh, being a bunch of kind of, you know, very motivated individuals and still rather young in those days or early 30s in those days, we said, why don't we do something which kind of resembles the difficulty associated with the Tour de France? So we'll ride... Three days, 200 kilometers from London to Paris. Yeah. And, and we did in those days. And I mean, the very, very first year we had 12 or 13 riders. And I mean, it was, you know, it was a bare bones support ride. I mean, yeah, we yeah, had yeah. Uh, my wonderful assistant at the time supporting us in a Sigma um, van that okay. was God knows how old in those days. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and you, you know, and we were just happy sitting on a riverside eating baguettes for a, you know, for a lunch break and yeah. then smashing another hundred kilometers out after lunch and sprinting for every city limit sign and every sign. That's right. Yeah. And I mean, we, that's literally how the kind of the camaraderie then started yeah. because the following year, most of those people said, well, can we do this again? And I, they said, well, it's actually a hell of a lot of work. We maybe need a more structured way and a structured approach. So the, the first time you did it, it was essentially you and some friends? Correct. Yeah, yeah. amazing. Yeah, and, and, and then literally, you know, a few within a few years, there were people emailing from as far afield as New Zealand and okay. saying, you know, I've heard about this London-Paris ride. Can I, yeah, can I join? And then we created a formal comp- a company and an entity. And then when, when that grew a little, a little more as well, um, we then created the Hot Chili brand to wrap around all of the events and yeah. um, you know did, 
that, that in itself is another story because hot chili bears no relationship to events or cycling. It's just really a, a made up word that yeah, you course, know creates yeah, yeah. some kind of emotion or yeah. energy associated with it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, so my obviously I met you through my sort of co-founder of Jira Neil. Yes. Um, sort of before he was there on the very first one. That's right. I've seen a picture of it wearing. You know, you talked about you referenced fashion earlier. There's a picture of him wearing white bib shorts, which uh, we I I regularly bring up with him. He 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 still has the audacity to try and defend it, but we uh, yeah, inexcusable. Yeah, you know, I mean, he <laughs> the, the the brilliant thing about Neil is a he was a very very strong rider in his day and and tremendously fun guy yeah and he did have out of the kind of the cohort that we had now bearing in mind in those days uh we had rides leaving from sigma on a saturday or a sunday or both days i can't remember but the rides started at 10 o'clock Gosh. In those days. And I mean, and then we had a mixture of kind of the typical kind of uh, tier one Sigma triathletes yeah. and things like that yeah. who would be able to smash anything in a straight line yeah. um, and then get dropped on, yeah, on the yeah, kind yeah. of the technical Any bends corner, and roundabouts yeah. and things yeah. like that. So, uh, I, but it was 10 o'clock and then we kind of went, wow, this is crazy. Half the day is gone because yeah. we were riding, you know, 100, 160 kilometers a, in a, in a ride those days so then it went to nine o'clock and then eight o'clock and then eventually those rides most of the uh, most of the folk were doing those saturday sunday rides yeah were in the kind of the catchment area which would be kingston cobham waybridge yeah. so we then also then decided that it, it was easier for us to meet in isha yeah uh, and in those days it was um across the road from you yeah. which is is it uh not Nero's, it's the Costa. other one. Costa Coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's where we used to meet. And mm. then it was Coluccio. So that's we, right, Coluccio, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, then, and then, of course, when you created um, this wonderful epicenter of cycling for coffee mm-hmm. and cake yeah. and community, mm-hmm. um, we, started, we started meeting over here and now as well. So we really are, uh, I think both you, it, from, from a, a Giro's perspective and Hot Chili, we do sit at kind of, the epicenter of sports cycling. Yeah. So if you look at a Strava heat mm. map, mm. you know, <laughs> most people ride, you know, if they're coming south, southwest from London, are, yeah. are, are riding through Isha yeah. and then into that kind of Olympic corridor, yeah. which was the old Ride 100 route. Mm-hmm. I say old Ride 100 because that's now... Yes, now or it is finished as Kent the, or Essex or yeah, that's yeah, right. I think it's yeah. Kenya. Yeah, I mean it's it's funny you reference the the heat maps. I mean we've been open for next year. It'll be ten years, and. You know, I met Neil, uh, you know, many, you know, quite a few years before then and, and we'd ride with him. And yeah, we'd meet Anisha and the 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 does or the, the original sort of genesis idea of Jira was a place that was open up early in Isha. Yes. Essentially that was it. Yeah. And you know, we were struggling to find a venue initially and we saw other locations in Weybridge, in Cobham. But we always came back to Isha. It has to be Isha, and we we would come and count cyclists. We'd literally, you know, with a you know one of those counters, and we'd, yeah. we'd roll up on a Sunday and Saturday morning, and we'd just count riders. And this was before heat maps. You know, this was like long before you could access all that. And so we knew it had to be Isha. Not only from our experience, and you know, your experience prior to sort of me getting involved in cycling of meeting in Isha, mm. because it is, you know, it's called the Olympic Corridor for a reason. Yeah. And this is long before the Olympics. Um, but, you know, it's, if you're in London or in this area, to get out to the Surrey Hills, you pretty much go out this way. Well, you have to go out through Isha, really. And, um, and then when the heat maps were released and you could access that data, Portsmouth Road, which is where, for listeners who aren't aware, that's the road that Giro's on, 
It's the third most cycled road in the world. Yeah, I it's, mean, it's, it's incredible. And what, what I find astonishing in terms of how life works out is, is that I used to live in um, Teddington out that way. Mm -hmm. And before I really started cycling, which mm -hmm. is late 90s, um, we moved to Isha not knowing that yeah. it was going to become you know, part of this epicenter yeah. of, of cycling and things yeah. like that. And then I started riding. And as you will recall, counting cyclists in those days, you, you know, there were small pockets, handfuls of, yeah. of cyclists. I mean, it's nothing like what it is now. No. I, it's, it's, you know, honestly, now I'm astonished. I, I mean, this journey that you've been on and I've been on, what I, what I find amazing is, is that as we go through these kind of data points and inflection points, like mm. Olympics being one of them, mm. where I thought, okay, that's going to be the peak of yep. Of, of cycling as a um, as a sport as a pastime, yeah. and we're now way superseded that, and yeah. that we, you know we've gone into COVID uh, lockdown period mm. where I, you know, kind of stats that I'm hearing is is that you know on average there's something like three times more bicycles being used, so that yeah. could mean just for active travel mm -hmm. down to the shops or whatever it is, mm -hmm. but after COVID than before co after COVID, we'll never yeah. get rid of COVID, but you know what I mean, yeah. after lockdown. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the sort of data is quite clear in that, you know, after the, because if you remember, you know, just from around the Olympics, then 2011, they did the test event, the Surrey Classic That's test right. event. That, and with, so they, was, they closed the roads. It wasn't for public, it was just for the, the professional race. But that was in 2011, and that was the year that Mark Cavendish won the green jersey in the Tour de wow. France. And that was the year that he won BBC Sports Personality as well. So th there was clearly a, a, already a real boom in cycling at that time, as we know. And then when the Olympics came, it, it really kind of kicked off. But it never, it never decreased. No. And, the, you know, it, it sort of, we, we've been through sort of two clear periods, post-Olympics and then COVID, of, him, of it ramping up, but then plateauing. But it's not decreasing. It doesn't level off. Well, so it levels off, but it never goes down. Mm. And then again, COVID, people are forced to either get on their bikes again or get on their bikes, you know, more, you know, sort of consistently goes up again. And, and we are, I mean, the amount of riders that go past our, the, sh the front of our shop each weekend is staggering. Oh, it is literally astonishing. I had one of our uh, sponsors or partners on our, uh, on our platform come down from Scotland and they wanted to see and get a feel for what actually, how intense the cycling is down yeah, here. Yeah. And I mean, cycling in Scotland is, is pretty big, you know, around Edinburgh and Glasgow mm -hmm. and things like that. Mm -hmm. And they came down, and we had one of those Sunday rides, which uh, you may, okay, yeah, yeah. Of course, you know, so, yeah. which is Your training you, know, you could rides, have, yeah. yeah, you could have up to two hundred people mm. across six groups. I think at that that particular occasion, we had three gravel groups and yeah. four road groups, or yeah. something like that. So it was a lot of a lot of people out. So that they found astonishing that you know that two hundred people can get together at a single place and then be coordinated enough to go and do various rides at various levels. Yeah. But I think what they found even more astonishing was the number of other groups that were then passed on the roads. Yeah. And, and they just said, this is they said, they reckon, you know, that in one day of riding, and it wasn't a long ride, it was 100, maybe, maybe 110 kilometers, some, somewhere in that region. They reckon that in one day down here, mm. they passed as many riders as they would pass up there in a year. Yeah, well, I'm not so, surprised. I mean, it is, 
it, I mean, it's. It, I mean, we. Yeah, God, we can go really deep into this. It's definitely changed the way I approach cycling. Um, you know, I, on a personal level, I find at times quite uncomfortable the amount of riders at certain times. Mm-hmm. So I've, I'd did, agree, I've just yeah. adjusted. Either I'll go off road a bit more, or I've just adjusted sometimes my routes, but just the time of day that we go out, um, because we don't want to. Uh, spoil other people's fun and you know it's sometimes if it's saturated it's just you know it's not and again maybe there's the sort of old romantic in me oh i remember when you know these lanes used to be quiet and uh, that doesn't really help anybody um but yeah i mean it's a it's a, a, a you know fascinating place and you know you've you know hot chili have very much been a key part of that and at the center of it so i mean going back to you did london to to paris and then that became it's an organization and then you sort of founded Hot Chili. So that transition, like when did it when did you see like the business opportunity um, where you could actually sort of it turning from uh, like a, a passion into something? Actually, there's something here that we can really do. And then years later, hosting events in the, both the northern and southern hemisphere. Can you maybe talk about that sort of trajectory a little bit about where, how it went from one ride into a business into a international business? Mm. I I think there are definitely some significant data points or inflection points and things like that as well. But in terms of the overarching the overarching thought is um, that when when I started and when we started is there wasn't a grand there wasn't a grand vision it yeah. was just about inspiring people to ride yeah lovely and <laughs> and therefore kind of certain kind of commercial aspects were were not relevant yeah and i think that that made a very big difference yeah. and i think we ended up initially creating a community a mm. small compact community of mm. people who had mm. similar principles had a uh, you know a pioneering energy and 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 wanted to go and do stuff but mm. also um ambivalent about their surroundings in terms of their environment um uh the socioeconomics of 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 society and things like that so from the very very first event that we had we were doing fundraising actually for kids who uh, didn't have access to schools in cambodia Mm. through Mm. uh, one of my uh, work assistants Mm. and and so there was always these kind of it was never just one piece of a jigsaw puzzle it was always multiple pieces of a jigsaw puzzle but around about 2007 when I was getting emails from people around the world who mm. I really didn't know and said mm. listen I'd love to ride this event I thought well hang on there's probably yeah, something sure. here and we'd had our first closed road or rolling road closure event so you know that was pioneering yeah. we had um, yeah. seeded groups mm. all on the road at the same time that yeah. was you know new and pioneering and and so then I could wh- see that it was because could potentially scale. So what year was, was that? That was 2007. Okay, fine. 2006, 2007. Wow. Okay. And then... And th- that was London to Paris again. That was London, so th- th- London to Paris, yeah, exactly. Okay. And then... Um, and I think the first year that we managed to kind of close down the streets in Paris was 2008. Mm. So that was relatively quick trajectory from 2004 to 2008 yeah. to be able to close down close down Paris so, so for listeners who aren't aware who, who maybe haven't had that sort of experience you know I, I'll speak to it from my standpoint you know when we did the, the team race in 2015 obviously long established and there was a couple of sort of key moments um you know, obviously, you know, we had seen and were a part of some of your training rides that you're doing years prior. So the training rides, you know, used to be from Embercourt. And 
you, you know, to see it on the roads now would be so like shocking just because we haven't had the privilege of doing it for the last two years. Mm. But you would have, you know, up to 200 people riding in these big groups. But the level of professionalism that was demonstrated uh, from my standpoint sort of coming in was so impressive because you had very clear ride leaders who are wearing specific kit that had radio so communication so you really felt if you were a part of that group you felt you were safe fast forward to doing the race so it was a, a you know three-day event to paris um uh one uh, day one was from ember court down to folkestone and then day two was calais to amia that's right and then amia to paris so a couple of key moments going through or from down to Folkestone, you, each group has motorcycle outriders. So you've got, uh, you, as a rider, you just need to focus on riding your bike. There were very clearly marked out racing points, but for the most part, you're rolling as a group at quite a high speed. We were in group one, um, but you feel incredibly safe, but, and you've got motorcycle outriders with the police's permission, um, closing all the junctions, so you just have to ride through. It's, a, it's just a, it's such a great experience. Like, I mean, riding down to Folkestone without thinking about a junction or a red light is just what a privilege. And then um, I remember on the last day, I think it was it was either Bull or or it might have been Captain who said when we were leaving the lunch stop on the last day, so that final sort of bit where after lunch on the final day where you roll into Paris as one group, mm, mm. and there's something like 500 riders of all the groups combined, Yes, but you're rolling as one, and you're rolling as one into Paris, and so you leave this lunch spot, you do this kind of short climb, and then there's this lovely long kind of like sweeping descent that's quite open, and so I think it was Bull just said, uh, hang back, like stay at the back, trust me. So I was waiting with him. So we go up and then in front of us, we see this winding road that is full of cyclists, all traveling as one through this gorgeous French countryside. And then we stayed like that as a group into Paris. And as Fen mentioned just now, uh, you ride into Paris with closed roads. They close down the Champs-Élysées. Um, which is, I think, apart from the Tour de France, is the only time this happens, isn't it? Yes, yeah. yeah. So, so and, and together with the fact now, of course, we arrive, we're now kind of combined our event together with the Tour de France yeah. as well. So it's, yeah. it's, it, it's, it is a special privilege. It, it, I mean, it is just, you know, you, you, you understand. You understand what you've created, you know, when you kind of take it. It's not just a bike ride that's got, you know, some well-dressed ride leaders it's an incredibly well-organized sort of machine and for someone who you know buys a ticket to be a part of it all you have to think about is riding yeah. and, then, and then keeping up with the captains in the evening at the bar that's the hardest <laughs> bit uh, well, well that, i mean thanks uh, jordan i mean it, it, it is i i feel every time that i still ride it that it is yeah. a privilege i yeah. mean a, a privilege in terms of you know the fact that the roads are closed for mm. you and and i'm saying that rolling road closures doesn't stop the traffic for a long time and that's why rolling road closures work so well work but well, i mean yeah. you still you know impacting thousands of people between you yeah. know between london and, and paris and and so you do feel very very privileged but you know there are little things that you notice that for instance that your average speed riding is just so much higher because <laughs> you don't have to stop yeah, so yeah, yeah, you know yeah. you, you know you, you're consistently sitting there you know you were riding group one i think group one's average is typically about 36 kilometers an yeah. hour from here to yeah. here to paris yeah and it just feels like a 
you know a truck and a trailer which yeah. is which is going along mm. and and if you what it what it does do and what it did do over time as well and you know, we're talking about these big local group rides and and those have changed again there's yeah. a change in dynamic but that really teaches people how to ride in you know in big bunches mm. and the discipline required yeah. you know when you talk about group group 1 which is racing group 2 is women's racing mm. um, you you know you are handlebar to handlebar yeah. and and it, if something goes wrong it can be expensive or can hurt yeah um, and i mean it's interesting because you know i i certainly wouldn't class myself as a as a as a as a racer and i'm just I'm just not competitive enough <laughs> um, but when you get to these racing bits there were definitely a couple of moments where it's just like okay this isn't for me as in, I just felt a little bit, you know, you know, it was just past my comfort zone, mm, mm. just because I'm not used to racing very much. But even with that, it was very safe for me just to kind of like pull out and let everybody sort of like sprint for the line. And again, you group back together, and off you roll. It's, yeah, it's just yeah. a very, very well, well organized machine. It was great fun. You know, I mean, that was, you know, seven years ago now. And we still have fond memories of that it was great. Yeah, fun. Yeah, well, there's, I think what we also find on these kind of events and, and back to kind of the original ethos is, mm. is that if you can create these kind of inspirational experiences with a bunch of, you know, passionate colleagues yeah. and co-riders yeah. and things like that, you have something to talk about for the rest, you know, for the rest of your life. Yeah. And look, it's, this is something that you and I speak about all the time. You know, it's, it's not about the, the route. It's not about, you know, sort of the bike. It is about the people that you're doing it with. Correct. And that's the platform that you've, I think, built really well. And, you know, I, I, you know, we, you know, I look at this photos, Josh, uh, Niall, myself and Ben, and, you know, we'll often talk about, you know, that, that, you know, those few days and then the party we had in Paris as well, you know, it's just a really, really special time. It, it, it was really great. It is. And I, and, and I think in, in terms of, um, we, we sort of kind of talk about the, the kind of what were the inflection points along the way. Yeah. The, those are the characteristics that still underpin what we do today. Absolutely. Um, you know, and if it's if it doesn't have those other aspects yeah. and and inspire you mm. and and um, create passionate people mm. who are aware of their environment mm. or their social mm. privilege and mm. things like that, then. Mm. Then it's not then it's not worth yeah. not worth doing yeah. and and hence you know there's some things that we do every year like London Paris, you know there's some things that we do every few years which mm. could be like Atlas Mountains Morocco mm. and where yeah. it's a it's a much smaller tighter group of people but mm. I mean the uh, the desire to go out there and and pioneer gravel riding yeah. in the Atlas Mountains was you know was massive yeah. um, uh, you know and those folk. Again, we'll meet somewhere and then maybe go and ride that event, uh, the roller coaster in South Africa. Yeah. We had one classic year where we ended up going through a game farm where we had giraffes and wildebeest and, and stuff like that yeah, on yeah, the, yeah. not quite on the course, but right yeah. next to us. Uh, but I mean, London to Paris is your flagship event, that is. and that's still the case. That's still and then the you've case. got you've got events in. I had a look on your website uh, yesterday. You've got um, something in Switzerland coming up. That's a new event yeah, again. That that's amazing. another bit of kind of pioneering. Yeah. So that's a, that's more that's an all road event. So yeah. it's kind of partial tar, partial gravel. Yeah, perfect. A lot of climbing. Yeah. So again, very very niche in terms of people who, you know, who feel climb who feel, who are happy climbing two thousand two and a half thousand meters a day yeah. and and fairly technical and steep climbing. Mm. Um, but that that creates a little micro community of people yeah. that are supported within the the broader hot chili brand and then yeah. you've got the the folk like Roubaix um, yeah. you know which is 
honestly one of my favorite events yeah. because there's just so much inbuilt, inbred passion in that region oh. in terms of northern France. Um, yeah. And, you know, I'll cite an example. We, we had um, Garen Thomas was one of our uh, ambassadors. And, in fact, I think he was Hot Chili formal club member number 0001. Okay. <laughs> uh, this was all before he won the... Um, the, uh, the Tour de France, mm. but you know we chose well. Yeah, um, absolutely. And and so Garen Thomas was. It was actually called. It, it was actually called. I think the uh, Hot Chili Roubaix with Garen Thomas or something, something like that, incorporating his name. And uh, the locals got to hear that Garen Thomas was going to be riding the Roubaix event, the Hot Chili Roubaix event. And there was a, a particular lunch stop en route. I forget the exact village or town that it was in. Um, but they heard about it. And so these locals were all crammed into the local bar where we were going to eat from about 10 o'clock that morning, oh, drinking amazing. brandy and whiskey <laughs> and what have you, because they heard that Garant was going to be funny. there. And, and it was so interesting because then when, when the riders arrived and were sitting down at, at, at tables in you know, quite a big pub with tons of locals, but none of the locals actually came over and disturbed him hmm whilst he was having his lunch until he picked up his helmet and got up to walk back to the door. Ready to and go. then, of How course, funny. everybody came yeah, up yeah, and yeah. crowded around him. But they were so respectful of him. And Magnus Backstead was there yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. I think Stephen Roche was there. Yeah. So, I mean, there were quite some celebrity yeah. figures, but yeah. they, they just had utmost respect for these, for these people yeah. who didn't impact on their lunch and what they were having yeah. until they got up and walked back to the bike. So it's just a fabulous area. I mean, and it's it's nice. It, you know, you've been doing this for, well, the first sort of event was 2000 and 2004. 2004. Yeah. So it's nearly 20 years. But you're still talking about it with real passion. And I think that's what's so, I think that's, you know, I certainly feel very privileged. I know you do as well to, 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 as a job, do something or mm. be a part of something that you really love. Yes. And there's a passion associated to yes. it, you know. A absolutely. Um, I mean, there is something magical about Roubaix and Belgium. And I just, we've got a group going out there this weekend to watch Flanders. I unfortunately can't join. But I just, I can't wait to go back at some point because there's something so magical about that place. Do you, do you know that it's... Uh, <sighs> I, I must say, you know, I mean, I think spectacular, obviously, coming into Paris and the Arc de Triomphe, the Champs-Élysées, mm. Eiffel Tower and, and all of that. And it's just and, and now that we arrive a day before the, the Tour de France finishes, then, mm. you know, somebody walking on the side of the road goes, oh, oh le tour, c'est arrivé, arrivé. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, the, the, the people are all getting involved in mm. what you're doing. Mm. But when you arrive kind of at the Roubaix Velodrome oh. and there's nobody there and the oh. rain or the sleet mm. is is coming down and what have you. You you get a really big tear in your eye when oh, you kind of I'm, enter. I'm getting goosebumps now yeah, just I thinking know. about it's, it. Right. It's, it's just tr so special. And you, 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 you know the drag that, that you have coming up to the Velodrome mm. in the last four kilometers where yeah. there's no cobble, well, there's those kind of Small, faux yeah, cobbles yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, mm. just outside the Velodrome. But you've got that drag and it, and it is so hard. It's a 2% incline. <laughs> yeah. But your legs have been hammered for, mm. you know, all of those cobble sectors. Legs, your hands, your neck, your shoulders, everything. And you just, 
you know, the last, even the last cobble section, you, you kind of go, I just want this to finish. Yeah. I just want this to finish. Yeah. And then when you get onto the smooth tiger, yeah. I don't want this to finish. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. want this to finish. And you get into the velodrome. Oh, oh, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. And you know, uh, yeah, it's just a, uh, I think that's where I think you've done really well in that, that passion for you personally is still there. And then people who are involved in Hot Chili, they share in that passion and they really feel a part of it. And I, I definitely think for all the people who are Hot Chili members or who come and join the ride, I think that that is, a, I would say, a real kind of like, you know, trademark to the community that you guys have built and nurtured and that it's, there is a real passion for it. People are excited to, to go out and ride their bikes with, with their mates, with people. Um, and then in, in case of you to be able to do that or share in that experience around the world is amazing. It it's is amazing. And I think the, the, the word that keeps cropping up when you and I are talking is community. 100%. And, and I think, you know, you have built that with, with Giro as well. They are, you know, when I'm out on the road, um, your cohort of, mm. of uh, Giro members and and people who ride enduro kits and 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 the hot chili groups you know intersect um i know that there's a big intersect between um the gravel riders that you have and the hot chili gravel Mm, riders mm, and particularly mm. the thursday night ride from from sigma which is now coming up this this thursday that's right Mm. yeah so so you know it's 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 interesting in terms of building the ethos and everything around community and i think your value set is, Mm. is you know dovetails in beautifully with you know the hot chili value mm. set and i think there's a there's uh, there's a mutual respect amongst those cohorts and groups and mm. also i think what is really important you know because i think all of this is going to develop mm. you know, i think we're on st- step two out of ten in terms of what's happening yeah, with communities that, yeah. yeah um is that there's this respect and this ability that you know some people belong to both or some people belong yeah. to one and intersect with the other one yeah. you know on a on a need be want to be you mm. know want to be basis mm. and i think there's a new there's a new paradigm developing mm. and and i think that it comes back to the point that i said you know having groups of 200 or 50 60 in a bunch is not is 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 not the way that riding is going to develop yeah. it's, it's going yeah, to move back down yeah, to yeah. 8 9 10 mm. 12 mm. riders mm. in one group mm. and and it's people are moving away i feel that people and i think you know, in discussions with you, we've had people are moving away from kind of big mainstream yeah. type of events. And I think that I personally find it really hard to get excited if I'm, you know, one of 10,000 going yes. and, and doing something. It's just, yeah. I, I yeah. feel like I am just a number. But if I'm. Yeah, you know, I mean, what, you, you know, there's what well, next month, there's the Mallorca 312. And I mean, you know, looking on paper, 312 kilometers around Mallorca. And I went to Mallorca for the first time mm. last year. And I get it. I'd been, I'd sort of, truthfully, I turned my nose up at it in the past because I just thought it was going to be too busy. I thought it was going to be too many riders. But I went last year for the first time and I get it. What a place to ride your bike. Like, really, really incredible. So the idea of 312 kilometers, uh, all closed roads, a lap of the island, sounds great. But are doing that as part of however many thousand people sign up, that doesn't excite me. But the thought of going out and doing that with a few pals... It excites me. Yeah. So it's it's a strange one, and you know, and you're basically doing the same thing, but it's actually the more the adventure side of it and that camaraderie that is the more appealing as opposed to the actual event itself. And I think that's where you guys have really, uh, I mean, we can come into it, but I think that's where you guys have struck that balance quite well, and mm-hmm. that you've always put the emphasis on 
whether it be the events like you know London to Paris it's the team aspect of it it's the people you're doing with it's the stories you create it's not just the event we'll do the event we'll mm, make sure mm. it's as good as possible but we want you to you know in in the the the, the bigger picture to feel a part of a small you know kind of you know part of that you know in your little small bubble which I think is really important yeah it's it's interesting because I think that what is what has happened is it's probably not just happened in cycling mm. but I think it's in general in terms of absolutely agree old school marketing yeah. and stuff is dead in mm. the way that we know it where mm. you know you'd go out there and you you know pay whatever it is cost per clicks and get hundreds of thousands of people mm. or get your product in front of hundreds of thousands of people and mm. hope that you've got a 2% yield or whatever it is yeah. now I think we're getting to the point where as if if I'd like to and we see this a lot now in terms of the stuff that we're doing digitally we're, mm. if the, the best advert you have is somebody representing your brand Absolutely right. as an as as a willing ambassador, mm. not mm. somebody as a paid ambassador yes. because of that already is yes. diminishing the value of it. Couldn't agree more. Just I just you know if I want to know if I want to know what the be, a good example a good example is we had somebody in our community asking should I get you know Di2 Campy or SRAM uh, electronic you know and then. There will the person you will listen to is the person who you regard within your community yeah. or your micro community, mm. who is the expert in that area, who doesn't get paid by Shram yeah. or Campy yeah. or whoever the whoever yeah. the case may be. Yeah. So, and I think this this is where the value of community. So you know, within your community, there will be somebody who's, uh, you know, an absolute curve ambassador without in any way yeah. being having any preferential or commercial treatment. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. That means that they should be a curve mm. ambassador, but mm. they are a curve ambassador yeah. because, and they, it's purely because they then feel yeah. that they have the right to represent yeah. the brand because they know enough yeah. about it and they have respect within the community to be able to talk about it. And across any sector, across any you know community, whatever, like people can see and read yes. authenticity. Yes, like that's like, and the opposite's true. You know, people can see when it's quote unquote paid for you know that's and and i think that's where we need to be so and i've always been very 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 guarded of our community here to not allow that to creep in to not allow that um you know to kind of spoil the the, the pot so to speak because it's you know we just want authentic people mm -hmm. in whatever field it is and that in itself will kind of like breed you know you know, people, you know, hopefully bring out the best in people. I think that's probably ultimately what it comes down to. Um, you know, you, you've, <laughs> one of the things you said earlier on, which I personally really resonate with is, is um, when starting Hot Chili, the, you weren't thinking commercially. It wasn't a commercially minded product, which I, I just love. Because that's exactly the same with, with, with me here at Jiro. We didn't know what we were doing. Like, we didn't have a clue. But we knew, like, and just unshakingly so, yes. we knew that the, the, the opportunity to open up our doors and to be a... Uh, a, a pillar in in the community and just to you know be an open door for cycling in this local area mm. that was a value and so the value wasn't this commercial enterprise the value was about representing and being a part and investing into and nurturing this local community yeah like that's where it is and, and cyclists and non-cyclists but obviously you know we're talking from a cycling standpoint 
Now, we've had to learn along the way how to be commercially savvy and commercially, you know, kind of like minded. Um, and we've been fortunate that we sort of got this far. But that wasn't the starting place. Yeah. And I think, you know, touching on what you just said, I think that's where the shift is in that people are wanting and people can see authenticity and people wanting to be a part of something that is genuine and authentic mm. as opposed to just being a part of this kind of big machine where they don't really have any personal investment into and personal say. If you can breed that, you know, and support that community for that one person, that one person that feels a part of what Hot Chili's doing, then you've got a light if you do you know what you do well you've got a lifelong uh, loyalty mm, mm. and then in turn you've got the best marketing there is because that's word of mouth and there's people speaking about things passionately absolutely um, but it's not it's not the starting place is not commercial i i and i i you're so right i think if you would you go back to you know creating a creating a brand if you're overarching you start on day zero and if your art overarching mm. desire is to do X turnover in the next 12 months, you're going to be misled yeah. uh, or waylaid yeah. along the way. If, yeah. if your overarching desire is to um, feed a passion mm. and, and look at the hierarchy of needs mm. of a cycling group or community yeah. and things like that, yeah. um, that's a totally different structure and mm. it's a slow, you know, slow burn. Mm. And I think as, as a brand then develops and as a community develops, it builds its own principles and guidelines yeah. in terms of how it interacts, engages, mm. you know, because there's, there's other little things that are, they're not peripheral, they're integral, but they're not overtly thought of, which yeah. are things like inclusivity, yeah. you know, and there's obviously a big drive around or an increasing drive around inclusivity yes. at the moment. But, you know, from, I know when you started and from when we started, we were always, you know, inclusive to anyone and everyone. Yeah. You know, yeah. no matter whether you arrived with flat pedals yeah. or whether you were part of some minority group or I'm thinking about our hand cyclists, we created the first integrated mm. hand cyclist and upright cyclist event. I mean, yeah. it was it, it was a challenge, yeah. Yeah. but we became experts in it and it changed the Hot Chili brand for the better yeah, to understand what, mm. a, what a hand cyclist yeah. goes through, you know, yeah. on a multi-day yeah. multi event. So I, th I think that y you, you have to... You have to almost turn the whole thing on its head. You mm. have to rely on the fact that the community is going to come together with a set of guiding principles Absolutely. and a vision that yeah. that is adopted by the rest of the community. And, as, and, and your job as, uh, as like, a, like a pillar in that community is to be listening. Correct. And, 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 and you effectively just become a, a, a notional custodian mm. So yeah. everyone else is, I think, is contributing, continually yes. contributing. Yeah. But you, you become a kind of a reference point that yeah. is within there. And there may be at some point in time some degree of moderation required yeah, of or some kind of direction required mm. or some kind of feedback required. But it's, but it's not – you're not standing there directing, yeah. you know, directing the traffic and, mm. the, and, and, and the daily events and things like that. I mean, that, that sort of leads us on to sort of my next point. But maybe before that, maybe whiskey. 
That's always a good idea, yeah, and yeah. I've been eyeing it. I must, so, I must confess. So, so Sven and uh, you know, sort of during during lockdown, created a uh, a whiskey tasting night on uh, on Zoom and Teams and, and yeah. all these things. So bringing whiskey uh, lovers together, which both Sven and I are. So I've got a couple of ones here. Um, actually, I mean, you might admire this. We've got a drinks trolley, uh, which is a very important piece in our uh, in our office. And so we've got a lovely decanter here with, uh, what's in that one? I think, I think it's just Glenmorangie. Um, but then I've got this. I've got given this um, sort of tasting bottle of Glenfiddich 15, uh, which is great. So Glenfiddich is usually 12, but this is 15. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. So. It's a good thing I Ubered over as well. Uh, so. Absolutely. Cheers, buddy. All right. Cheers, my friend. So this is the Glenfiddich 15-year-old. This is the, this is the so I've 15, not, yeah. I've not had a 15-year-old Glenfiddich, so. Oh, lovely. Mm. It's quite that lovely. Well, like, there we go. That's sher sherry vibe to it. Mm, that's beautiful. us set up for the, uh, the yeah, afternoon. That's it, yeah, yeah. Have so a, so how did you guys set up the six-hour podcast? <laughs> yeah, exactly right. <laughs> um, so, you know, you know, we, 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 we've been speaking about sort of the, the importance of community. And if we do our jobs right, and if you do your jobs right with Hot Chili, a lot of people benefit from it. A lot of people have really good experiences of not only the events, but the community. Um, but not many people uh, see the, the true cost and the trials and the hardships to keep that community afloat um can you speak to that a bit yeah it's a really it's a really good question um because it's a, it's a delicate it's a delicate balance yeah. um and it's 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 rare that i've actually even been asked that question so it's, it's interesting but i think because you sit you know yeah. inside of a community like, like you like. know you, you know what there is um there's some there, there also some very kind of simple things but not so simple like for instance there are occasions where you shouldn't involve yourself in mm. something you, the the community or the micro community or that part of your community needs to sort it out yeah um so sometimes it can also be kind of frustrating because you know you think you know what the answer is yeah. but you have to let that answer develop from yeah. within the community interesting and and so it is a continual it is a continual uh challenge fun challenge mm. uh, let me add but it is you. You are involved. Twenty. A, a community doesn't sleep per mm. se either. You know, yeah. the community is active, twenty four seven, three hundred and sixty five days of the year, and that's why community is so strong because it is active all the time. Yeah. So it means you you aren't necessarily devolved when when a normal person goes on holiday or something like that. You are on holiday per se, but mm. your community is still active yeah. in your life. Absolutely. Yeah. And and so. There's certain things, and I, if, if I uh, reflect on there's been these incidents with one or two famous people um, at the award ceremony uh, last week where um, part of the discussion is, you know, there's continual pressure on, on, famous, on famous people. You know, it mm -hmm. never stops. And mm -hmm. I, can, I can see that there is a pressure on, mm -hmm. on people like that. Um, and I think in the same way you need to... It's almost like be on call. It's like your family, and it's yeah. like your extended family. Yeah. So you are on call. So those, are, I think, are the challenging are the challenging things because you need to manage your time yeah. well and appropriately. Mm -hmm. And then the kind of the delicate ones are, 
not diving into something where you shouldn't be yeah. diving into it yeah. and sometimes just allowing it to happen. And then the point that you made, which is listen, mm. um, because as a community develops, and I've just been absolutely amazed at the effect of COVID mm. on our community and then providing them with a digital platform yeah. during COVID. We'll definitely come to that. Yeah. Mm. And th that the, the community actually becomes self-protecting. Yeah. And will actually, if there is any kind of a threat or challenge, the community will align itself in a way mm. which will best protect mm. that particular the, the community or that particular part of the community. And perhaps another question is, um, and again, this is uh, just speaking because I know you and I are very similar in our approach to, you know, what we do. I know that there have been times for me personally where I've questioned it all because at times it's just felt too much. It's felt like too much of a burden. Um, you know, it's felt like too much of a, a, a mantle to carry at mm. times, you know, or maybe the obstacles that you're facing to try and keep everything going mm. seems too much. And obviously, look, we're still here. So, you know, kind of, you know, we know what the, the, the decision was. But a big part of that is I can't, it's not, it's not about you. Mm. I can't give up on, um, I can't give up on what we're doing because the cost is, you know, the impact would be too much. And I mean, you know, taking, for example, just as a, as a metaphor, you know, the hot chili, you know, you have, you know, uh, sorry, the London to Paris. Uh, you've got, you know, a few hundred people who have their accommodation, three meals, uh, routes, everything planned for them. And so they have to come and they don't have to think about it. But we know very well behind the scenes, <laughs> it is yeah, yeah. chaos. Yeah, it is yeah. pure chaos yeah. to try and keep that community going. And, you know, have there been times where you've, have there been times where you've, you know, been kind of like facing like, can, can we, can we, can we continue on? You know, and, and I suppose and the reason I say that is because actually like cycling is a sport. I mean, look, we've both just got goosebumps talking about, mm. you know, Paris Bay. Cycling is a sport that really breeds so much passion from individuals. So for people looking in, people think, oh, it must be great working in the cycle industry um, because, you know, you've obviously got, a, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of momentum. But if you look around truly, the amount of brands that come and go, the amount of events companies that mm. come and go, the amount of shops that come and go, it's, it doesn't seem to line up with the amount of participants. And so actually, you know, the truth is running, and even the successful ones, running a, 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 in a business in the cycling industry is very challenging. It is. Um, you know, when you've been faced with those sort of like challenges or trials, what are the key markers for you that have kind of helped you progress and, and, and push on? Yeah, it's, again, a, a great question. I think, yes, you know, you hit those kind of uh, bumps in the road or yeah. where you kind of go, you know, what am I doing? Mm. Um, because it's too, <laughs> there might be too many plates spinning yeah, yeah, or yeah, yeah, you yeah, hit a yeah, really yeah, big yeah, bump in yeah. the road. Um, and there's definitely been things that test your uh, resolve and your passion al along the way. Um, and... And I'd say there'd been a few, you know, one which was a horrific one that we had to deal with is where uh, one of our riders unfortunately um, crashed on mm. some diesel and, yes. and unfortunately passed away. Yeah. Um, that was horrific. Mm. And you kind of go, oh, my God, you know, do, do I, 
do I really want to do this? Yeah. Do I really want to deal with this type of thing mm. again or something like that? Mm. Um, so that that was one point where yeah. I thought, you know, crikey, it's a, is the cost too high? Yeah. yeah. Um, but it comes back down to then you hop on your bike and you go for a ride mm. and you go and do something and you go, oh, wow, that was wonderful. Yeah. Or you go and ride with three mates yeah. and you're going to go, oh, that yeah. was just absolutely superb. Yeah. And so uh, for me, the thing is, is I reckon if, if we're – had the model today in exactly the same way as it was 15 years ago, then mm. then probably one would give up because it'd just be the same model being yeah. regurgitated. Yeah. But because the model is developing mm. and because the community is developing and because people's passions and interests are mm. being hopefully looked after, mm. um, it's it's always new. Yeah. And and I, I can recall yeah. gravel, you mm. know, when it was it was a I ended up having a, a meal with um, at Eurobike one year with a few people, including uh, Gerard Vrooman, uh, who was the founder of Savella so, and, yeah. and Open. And, and we said, we, we should do something in the gravel space. And of course, then a thought became, an idea became an event mm. over uh, a curry and a few beers. <laughs> and we then hosted our first gravel event, which was 2014, 2015. Um, and and we thought this was just going to blow the world away, yeah. and 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 it didn't yeah. uh, blow yeah. the world away. But we had twelve riders, of which four were us as event <laughs> event organizers, and uh, we lost a hell of a lot of money. Mm. But we had, I think, one or two paying riders, and mm. we had a few media people. And it, that's another occasion where you kind of go, "Wow, it was all of that work. Is it is it really worth it? Yeah. To, you know, to do something." And we just happened to be really way ahead of the curve because we mm. ended up having a a debrief with uh, every pot, you know, dinner and a debrief with every participant. And bearing in those those days, you're talking gravel bikes per se didn't exist. You had mm. a cross bike or you had a mountain bike. Yeah. You know, that, yeah. that what, was it. Or a road was bike. It, what but, was a gravel bike? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, mm. it just did, mm. you know, it was a little further advanced in America, mm. but certainly in Europe it mm. wasn't. And, you know, have we, have we just gone down the wrong rabbit hole? Yeah. And every rider said, you know, including people who had ridden – you know, uh, my my wife Moira had ridden a Cervelo R5 with 26. The maximum tire width she could fit in was 26 mil. <laughs> That's amazing. And we were riding, you know, 200 kilometer <laughs> gravel stages and things like that. So good. But everybody said how much they enjoyed it and mm. how did how they'd felt that we shouldn't stop. Yeah. And so that was the community mm. um, telling us to continue, and and to that end, mm. again around gravel is we have been fortunate that we've had some fantastic um, bike partners over the yeah. past 20, almost 20 years. And one of our um, our bike partners said that they they had developed a gravel bike, but they weren't, they didn't think that they were going to take it to, they didn't think the market was going to be that big. Mm. And they were thinking of stopping the, the gravel bike range the following year. Mm. And we just said, you guys are crazy. Yeah, you what can't you do th- this. Yeah, yeah. So you got to remember this is like 2016 yeah. or something. Mm. Um mm. And they didn't, mm. and it's you know it's now become you know a major part of their their mm. arsenal and things like that. So the great thing is again that was community led. You know yeah. that's the community saying. Yeah. I mean it, it is. I mean it is community led. But I mean you've 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 meant you've said the word a few times, and it's obviously very you know kind of you know pivotal to your kind of like ethos and and your probably core business values, pioneering. You know, and that's not to sort of, you know, blow smoke up your ass, mm. but it's true. Like you guys have been from day one ahead of the curve and whether other, you know, sort of like uh, uh, brands or sort of companies choose to admit it or not, 
they're following in the steps that you've already taken. Um, and I think, you know, with the gravel side of things, I mean, I, yeah, we were working with Argonaut, um, you know, when we first opened and in 2013, he was making a gravel bike and we were like, what the hell is a gravel bike? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why like, would you want to ride yeah, gravel? Just, just yeah. get, just get a mountain bike like yeah. we have, yeah. um, not seeing the future and potential of it. And sure enough, I mean, you know, gravel is, we've really, we've, we are now a very big part of what, you know, we call mm. the gravel scene. You know, we've worked with you and we've got our local Absolutely. Belgian loop, you know, we've got all these things. Um, but, you know, for you guys to be hosting an event in 2014 in Europe is well ahead of the curve. Who else was doing that? No. I can think of maybe two races in America that were doing gravel events, and, but that's it. There was, yeah. no, there was nothing. Maybe Australia. There was a small one in Australia, but that's it. It was certainly, and, and again, as I, as I said, I think it was very much kind of the gravel scene was American-inspired, mm. American-led. Mm. Um, and there was a certain kind of looking down of the nose yeah. by European event organizers and and European bike manufacturers. Yeah. Um, and that appealed to me even more, mm. you know, because, yeah, yeah, yeah. because yeah. you know, now you're kind of counter-establishment yeah, yeah, and, and, yeah. and what have you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and together the fact... I had been, I had done quite a bit of mountain biking, not yeah. not a lot, but a reasonable amount of mountain biking, and I did love it. I really yeah. enjoyed mountain biking. Um, but then, having done a few of these kind of gravel on a road bike, and then exploring just our local area, oh, you know, looking kind of Isha, Walton, Cardinal, yeah. Weybridge, and then Phenomenal. down towards the south coast, you know, you can ride from Hampton Court down to Brighton, yeah, uh, or Shoreham. Is 110 kilometers. Is a super flat route. Super flat route, yeah. To do and, and fun. 100 and fun. 100 of the 110 kilometers is on gravel, and yeah. you kind of go, I, I didn't even know that yeah. you could do that. Yeah. And I, I mean, that, from from here, you can get to Box Hill off road. Yes. Without going yeah. on the road once. Yeah. She's like, what? What are you talking about? Surely not. But of course you can. It's fantastic. Yeah, and yeah. I, I I love there's some lovely little sections mm. on that on that route uh, yeah, yeah. to uh, to Box Hill. So so yeah, I. Uh, I love it. I love the, the, the pioneering nature and I love mm. the, the pioneering um, mm. community. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, two years ago, March 2020. Oh, crikey. Is that how long ago it was? Yeah, two years ago. Yeah. You are, uh, it's funny actually, I'm, you know, uh, you know, everybody's phone does this, I'm sure, but I'm getting on my photos, you know, reminders from two years ago and I'm just... yeah. Man, I look, I look back on that with such horror. Like it was such a scary time, you know, for us as a cafe because we it was just unknown. We didn't know what was coming next. Will the business survive? You know, we we did didn't Ooh, know. We had the it, same. I mean, for, so for you, um, you know, you are the head of a, a very established brand community. But at that time, you were an events business. You know, mm. you you were and you were rolling out more and more events. Also, you were facing more and more competition mm. in previous years. I think that's fair to say. For sure, absolutely. Again, you know, pioneering. You guys were the first. Many others followed. Yeah. So the competitions were stiffer. And, and I know that you guys are always, you know, you and the team, you know, Jane and Charlotte, um, you know, always trying to sort of push, pushing more, pushing more, reinventing this, reinventing mm. that, doing gravel events, bringing on, you know, kind of ambassadors. But come March 2020 as an events team or events business, what could have been the end, mm. I believe, in my opinion, for Hot Chili, I believe that that was actually the beginning of 
something new for you. Mm. And I think that was actually potentially the making of you as a brand. I I think it's kind of you to say, but I think you're right. I think that... um, And and maybe, maybe I'm saying that from a standpoint of... We unfortunately saw many businesses fail during that time. Mm. You know, whilst there was a bit of support, I think the underlying maybe kind of uh, state of the businesses plus just desire wasn't there. Mm. And I think ultimately that meant for a number of brands just going. And, you know, businesses, whatever. And we're, we're talking not just cycling, but across sectors. But what should have been the end of an events company mm. with no end in sight when can we do events again? Mm, well, you can't. Mm. You went back to what you first started with, which was community. Mm, and I think mm. that's down to you as, as, as a leader. I think it's down to your team. But I mean, maybe just speak to that. I mean, and the reason, I mean, we can sort of go into really kind of what you did, but, you know, I would say that your community is stronger now after the back of what's been a, from a business standpoint, an incredibly challenging couple of mm, years. Mm. I think that as a community and have a foundation of where the business can go from now is stronger now than it was pre-March 2020. I, I, I think you're right. Um, well, you are right. Um, the, uh, as you as were a business entirely devoted to a living world the, the living real life world yeah having an open door having an open door yeah. physical open yeah, door absolutely yeah yeah um having physical events and and that being the kind of the monetization mm. mechanism um had a had a massive impact and there, there were a few other variables that were around at the time as well so the, the first the first one is is like <laughs> you talk about, or I talk about us always being pioneering. Mm. I was one of the early people to get COVID. So it was my wife and I got COVID. <laughs> really? So we literally just finished the, the Cape Relur in South Africa. And, and, <laughs> and I mean, that in itself was crazy because we finished the event and literally the next day after finishing it, all the big COVID stories started breaking. And there's another fantastic mountain bike event called the Cape Epic. Yep. And they were starting that following weekend after our event finished, they had to cancel their event yeah. a, a day before it was due to start, which, I mean, is absolutely horrific for everyone, the event yeah, organizer course, yeah, and for yeah. all of the, the kind of the event participants yeah. and things like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. So we missed the kind of what I would say is kind of that, that kind of steep part of the horror curve mm. by one week. Yeah, I mean, yeah. otherwise our event would have been. So we finished the event, delivered the event, hopped on a plane, came back home, got, got COVID got probably COVID. on the plane. Jeez. And as it turns out, I mean, I was enormously, enormously ill. I really was very, very badly ill. Um, And I was out of it probably for about five, six, five, six weeks. Right, wow. So the part of the story that precedes that is is that we have a a, a technical partner, um, Rainmaker, who had been a sponsor and a partner and, and, and helping us in terms of our digital a digital strategy. And they, uh, the founder, who is now also a partner in, in, in Hot Chili, they've done so much, is mm. um, was trying to say to me and describe to me that we need to create a digital model for our global community because yeah. we need to keep the community activated, mm. you know, continuously as opposed yeah. to just on the London Paris or yeah. just on Roubaix. Yeah, or the training and, rides or, or yeah, the tra- yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. so yeah, yeah, let's yeah, yeah. you know let's create the digital glue mm. um, for this vast global community mm. of, of, of wonderful people. Mm. And eventually he'd managed to 
kind of coerce me, convince me, etc. Yeah, it yeah, actually yeah. was in the London Paris the prior year yeah. on the bus uh, going into Amiens. Okay. Um, I think we probably had one or two beers. <laughs> and and no, um, no. And so we had started. Yeah. So we started the what I would say is the kind of the, the digital vision and the digital migration. Yeah. And we changed the way that people work internally, which was a a massive change because we yeah. went right down to kind of the, the lowest layers of yeah. what do we do and what's mm. the value of what we do mm. and rebuilt the model from the ground up and mm. then provided some digital infrastructure that sat around how we operate and how we work mm. with, as it turns out, massive effect on kind of delivery and delivery timescales. Things that used to take 40 man days would now take, you know, between four and 10. Yeah, uh, wow. And wow. it was just, just in terms of having certain working rules in the digital access to information and transparency. Can, can I ask, I mean, and, and again, I'm, I'm probably, you know, asking this from a, from a personal standpoint as well. Uh, you know, bringing on, you know, somebody like, you know, Rainmaker, um, was it because you realised there was an area that you were lacking and you realised... Actually, you know, we do need to, if we need to, if we want to see, I mean, this is obviously pre-COVID. Mm. If we need, if we're continuing to grow amidst this kind of changing, you know, kind of landscape of more competition, um, we need to make some changes and get, again, pioneering, get ahead of it. Was there that, was, I mean, and that's tough. That's a difficult one to kind of say, maybe we haven't got this right. Was there that moment that you had or? There, there was, there, there, there was, there wasn't a specific moment, but I think there was a series of, conversations yeah. and and you know the more I was thinking about it is bearing in mind I used to work in the kind of the tech space yeah. and and what I really loved about then moving from the tech into the cycling world is it was all real world and real yeah, life there was no tech <laughs> but there was no tech but to the point eventually where I think it was compromising the way that that we were working yeah. and what we were doing and, yeah. and what we were holding back from because there's actually a hell of a lot to be gained by, you know, digitally interfacing and communicating with a bunch of other people yeah. that have a similar likes or, or dislikes as it, as it may be. So, um, so the, the answer was, is I guess there was a series of, of, of data points that then yeah. made me far more accepting of yeah, the fact sure, that there sure, needs sure, to sure. be a digital solution. So we, so they had started, we had started on this particular trajectory. Of, of course, COVID, COVID then came along and mm. all the plans that we had were thrown yeah. out of the window. And we then basically just said, we just need to be, do tactical stuff, yeah. you know, now. And just, we can't talk about delivering something in 18 months time, we've got to deliver something. Right and, and so we looked at some tactical solutions, delivered that, and then we uh, delivered a... Um, a minimum viable product MVP to our community. And, and we felt the most important part that we needed to deliver during COVID was the fact that people needed to interact, yeah. communicate, yeah. allow people to create their own little micro communities, which mm. is where the whiskey tasting mm. uh, yeah, came from. Yeah, yeah. Um, and to physically engage because the real world riding per se didn't exist yeah. depending on where you are. Uh, yeah, I believe that, the, I mean, there were places some places in the world you couldn't like in Spain you couldn't even go out and ride you had to do all of your riding indoor it was just yeah. banned from riding yeah. uh, outside it's funny I remember that time and I remember um, I've got a, a couple of friends in Girona and who they were fr they're good friends and ride with some of the pros there and the pros were given like a special dispensation yes. to ride outside yeah. to train but nobody else was and and we weren't we weren't even locked down then this was like prior to you know us being closed yeah and I remember getting this message from him saying, 
you, you really need to, like, this is serious. You really need to close. And it was like, well, if we close, we, we go. Mm. Like the business ends, the business folds. Like there's no, we have to stay open if we can. Aware and then the government announced a bit of support. So then, well, not only support, but saying everyone has to shut. Mm. Like, mm. too bad. Yeah. And I was like, okay. I remember having a conversation with Charlotte. And uh, it was quite an emotional conversation because she was like, what's, what, what's going to happen to you guys? And it was like, I don't know. None don't, of us knew. I don't know. None of us knew. But, you know, like you, we put those fears very quickly out of our sort of like the forefront of our thinking. And it was like, what can we do to, in, to keep our community engaged? And so we quickly went to YouTube, started making videos on how to make coffee at home. Uh, we, like you, tried to use Zwift as best possible. Mm. And just ways of, we did this quite, there's a hashtag, you know, Jiro at home. Mm. So whatever mm. that meant for you. And, you know, just small ways of engaging people. But you guys really went to like an, another level, you know, and with, the, with the app that you guys released mm. um, and the community. I'm, <laughs> actually, funnily enough, I remember, it was only a couple of months ago we had hosted one of your rides here. And as people were leaving, somebody turned to somebody else and said, I'll see you on Zwift. And I just had that moment of, oh, my God, there it is. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. The, that's the reality. That's the new norm. That's the new norm yeah, of this yeah. digital and yeah. personal Hybrid. reality. Yeah. And that's it. That's what we're going to have to be getting used to. Totally, totally. And, and you know, to your point, um, w- what has been really interesting as well, and you, uh, I'm thinking that you like the Peloton story, mm. you know, we Peloton stock price just went through the roof. Yeah. They became, I think, you know, they went from eight billion to thirty uh, $30 billion dollar valuation. Mm. Okay, I don't know where they are now, but it's not thirty. No. Um, but everybody then jumped into the virtual world mm. and jumped into the virtual world. There were people who didn't jump at all, yeah. and, and I'm sure many of those businesses don't exist. Then, then there's people who That's just true. jumped with both feet and said, you know, the entire world is going to be virtual. Mm. Um, I think that we were. Uh, either lucky or clever enough, I don't know, t- and said that the answer is a hybrid, is a hybrid luck. model. Because from a, from a cyclist perspective, a cycling community perspective, you're always going to have the physical ride is mm. going to be the top of the cyclist's needs. Mm. Everything else mm. that happens around it mm. is mm. the um, stuff that underpins yeah. that particular ride. Yeah. It could be a major ride. You're going to go and do London, Paris, or you're going to go and ride with mates, uh, you know, on Midsummer's Day and go and see how long you can ride. Whatever mm. it is, you, you've got some kind of a focus and ambition and everything else that you do yeah. just underpins that from yeah. physio to nutrition to training, yeah. hours, FTP, mm. all ultimately fits into that mm. into that goal. Mm. <coughs> and I think that is where people like Peloton mm. and and many others, I think, got it wrong yeah. is because they believed that this is the new world yeah. and it's not the new world. No. It's, it's a world that is just supporting the real world. It's a great compliment. Mm. It's a great compliment. And it's a, you know, it's, it's a, a phenomenal tool. But, I mean, so, you know, as an example, I got, we got, we've got like a, just our kind of like local sort of like crew of riders. I got a message today and one of the guys was like, I'm actually not working tomorrow. Going to go for a ride in the morning. Be great if there's someone else Mm. to ride with could do with a chat 
you can't do that online. I'm sorry. Mm. You can, you can, no matter how many sort of, you know, you could set up a, a hundred screens and have one person on each screen. You could have Discord running and all these things. Other apps are available. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it will never, ever take mm. over mm. interaction. You and I can have this. We could do this very easily on Zoom, where you could be sat at home, I could yeah. be at home. Different. It is. It is different. And that is something that thankfully brands like you and like us, we are here to champion. Mm, we mm. should absolutely be utilizing those digital tools. Of course it is. I mean, and also for people who it's a, it's a, you know, a welcome relief that they, you know, maybe people were shielding or something mm -hmm. and they can get on their bike and ride, although be it virtually, they're mm -hmm. still riding their bike, but the human interaction will never, ever, ever decrease. And I think the more that digital comes into our life, the more that we need that physical interaction. Oh, and we cannot shy away from that. <laughs> I abso absolutely agree. I think what we've learned through this phase of kind of um, pre-COVID lockdown mm. and now the hybrid world mm. this is how this all. <coughs> excuse me. Yeah, please. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Maybe not having enough whiskey or something. Uh -huh. Thanks very much. Is is how the um, how we now better understand the relationship between what happens in the real world and what happens in the virtual world yeah. and, and, and the needs that the virtual world fulfills and the, yeah. and the needs that the real world fulfills. Yeah. And again, it comes back to, you know, your point. And I, I suppose, you know, credit to you and maybe the reason why I kind of like it so much because it's very kind of akin to, you know, kind of, um, you know, my own personal kind of like feelings. But it started with a few mates riding to Paris. Yeah. And the reality is, is this year, although it looks differently, you're hosting an event and a few mates are riding to Paris. It's the same thing. It's that community is king. You know, it's the people, it's the connections, it's a camaraderie. You've been able to, I think, done a very good job. And, you know, I think you've had your detractors over the years. I think mm -hmm. you've had, obviously, a lot of competition. But ultimately, no matter how big it's grown and about how vast and digital your community is, it still comes back to those few mates riding to Paris yeah, uh, and now you're offering that platform for a few new mates to mm. ride to Paris mm. maybe for the first time um, which and, is I think phenomenal and uh, absolutely and then also I think the great thing is is for even those people um, you know and I'm thinking of people like you know Ian Sigma yeah. it's also another you know community brand that's very prevalent here in the Olympic corridor mm, mm. <clears throat> been here since the early 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 days yeah they, they, um, they were my avenue into like serious cycling through, through Neil yeah absolutely and I mean there's must be thousands tens of thousands of people yeah who went through that particular journey mm. with them you know but it's the same thing you know Ian <clears throat> I think rode <coughs> every um every London Paris for the first 10 years yeah really you know he didn't miss one yeah yeah um but now that there's that whole integration with the Tour de France itself, mm. you know, I, you know, I can see people who have had their full and checked the check boxes of London, Paris, and then gone off and done Morocco or something yeah. else, coming back and say, you know what, I'll yeah, do, yeah. I'll do London, Paris again for the eleventh mm. time or the twelfth time. Well, you're also doing a London to Paris off road, which and is, we are that's another really, another new another really first. Cool. Yeah, that's really cool. So that so that is for the. F and it's, in, it's interesting, so for, for the first time, so every recce up until about four years ago that used to take place, I would personally be involved in. Yeah. The kind of the, 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 
I, because I loved it. I was just, you know, doing of a recce was fantastic. I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can. And that's the perks. That's the perks of the job. It is a perk yeah, of the yeah, job. Yeah. And it's and it, those are the ones that you really, you go back to the photographs and you go, oh, my God, do you remember when we had to climb over that fence <laughs> or that wall? Or, or that's funny. you know, we, we had to take somebody to A&E or yeah. something. You know, there's all of, there's all of these, these things. I, I mean, I, can, I have a, a recollection of taking Francis Cade um, on a recce for the roller coaster in South Africa, okay. and we uh, it was a genuine recce. It's a it's a recce in Africa where we where literally you know you can go five miles in any direction and yeah. you will not hit a house or yeah, a road. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah. and so in one way quite daunting. And we ended up going through what f- in the middle of like a, a foresty woodland area, the the sand was like baby powder. And there was this trail which you could not, once you stopped pedaling, you could not get going because your wheel would just spin. <clears throat> so Francis and I ended up taking, to do, I think, eight kilometers through this forest. <laughs> it took us like two and a half hours. Amazing. And I can Amazing. remember him giving me the camera and he said, you need to film me having this little outburst. That's so you know, funny. Because he just said, I never want to do another <laughs> with you again. And yet, you know, those are the kind of the real, the real happy days. And those are days, you know, those moments you're speaking about years later. Exactly. Laughing about it. So, so now, you know, we're pioneering and looking at so many, so many different events and venues and things mm. like that. So the London-Paris off-road route is one that I've not ridden. But yeah. all of the our community members and ride captains mm. who've ridden it mm. and tested it mm. and changed it, et cetera, and QA'd it, risk assessed it, et cetera, just say it's, it is 10 times better than you can imagine. Oh, amazing. And, and, and the photographs that I've seen, oh. I mean, can you imagine? You, I mean, you're riding all the, all the way to the outskirts of Paris. And that's, in, that's at the same time as the road. At the same time. Oh, yeah. so good. So you then ride. Mm. You know, when we put all the, pelot- uh, all the pelotons together, so you have the kind of the five road groups yeah. plus the two gravel groups will combine into one group, which I think will be 550 oh, people or close to 600. I mean, th- that moment was worthwhile for it. I remember there was a few people that were so keen to get to the front. I remember Bull just saying, hang back, the trust me. The views from the back. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. When you just see this. With Dean as well, with Dean Downing. Dean Downing, yeah. yeah. he did, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's done it. Yeah, He's yeah, certainly yeah, done yeah. it a few times. Yeah. The, 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 when you see that peloton... Which is now bearing in mind the the Tour de France is like when it comes into Paris, it's probably 160 riders left. Yeah. Certainly less than 200 riders yeah. left. And you're talking about coming into Paris yeah. and there's 500 riders and the peloton is like a kilometer and a half long. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, and you're literally just being sucked along. People shouting on the on you know on the sidelines. Didn't you um, get a? Didn't you one year you get pulled over by the police and stopped? Yes, we did. Yeah. And then you had to. You said, "Why don't you give uh, my friend the call?" And <laughs> yeah. your friend's the head of police. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it wasn't. It might not have been my friend, but um, it, it was. You're right. It was a. It was a. So I mean, the paperwork in France is obviously of overwhelming course, yeah, if yeah. you if you've never done it. Yeah. But long story short, is the young policeman had not read the morning's alerts in terms of what was happening and tried to stop Amazing. a peloton of, 500 I think, people. 500 people. And, you know, I don't know how many lead cars yeah, and how yeah, many, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. ambulances and, and, and support vehicles and things like that. And, I mean, he literally stood in the road trying to stop it. He didn't, he didn't have much chance. That's so. funny. I think he's now working as an artist yeah. in Provence. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's funny. Um, just b- before we sort of, like, wrap up... Um, I did want to sort of reference the charity work that you guys mm. have done. And this is a conversation you and I had recently. Um, 
and again, I think it's very easy for people to kind of see the, you know, the the pinnacle, uh, you know, sort of, you know, flagship races that you do and, and the event and, you know, the, the um, you know, these big, you know, sort of things, you know, that we were talking about 500 riders and all these things, but not necessarily in the work that you guys have been doing from day one, really. Mm. I mean, you referenced very early building hospitals in Cambodia, but maybe talk about some of your interactions that you did with Quebec and, you know, I mean, we hosted, what was it 2014, a, yes. a, a night here to raise some money for Nick Domini. That's right. Um, to essentially fund him, you know, to... It was know, his schooling for the following year. Schooling, yeah, yeah, yeah. Schooling and tutoring. Um, yeah, I... I goes back, I'd say, to those very, very early days where with these kind of um, passionate A-type personalities that were, they were, I mean, they were all city folk. Yeah. Most people wanted to do something that was going to benefit yes. a cause or a passion of theirs. And whether it was raising funds for a cancer charity, mm. um, and we've worked with people like Cure Leukemia and mm. things like that, mm. or whether it was for education. Mm. <clears throat> I think that the the common ground that we seem to have found is that where it involves youngsters or youths yeah. and it, that's interesting. It, and somehow empowers them or helps them navigate a route to success mm. um, seems to be what has resonated. So that kind of maternal paternal instinct yeah, sort of takes and, over. And, yeah. and, and it's, it's, pro, you know, it's, it's um, one of the things we most it resonates with most yeah. with most people. Mm. So, for example, you know, one of the cancer charities for London Paris this year is a Little Princess Trust, mm. uh, which is for mm. children with mm. uh, cancer. Mm. But the, the the from the very beginning, we were heavily involved in kind of education because we felt that that was a need that was, you know, that is very easy to solve a problem mm. with educating a whole bunch of youngsters. Mm. So we did uh, the schools in Cambodia, mm. and this was. My, the driver for this was <clears throat> my assistant who worked with me in my day job when we set up the first London Paris. And, uh, and she used to, she set up a charity, um, schools for children in Cambodia. And I think in her tenure, in terms of where our lives intersected, I think she, she ended up, and we ended up raising funds for about seven schools. Wow. So those, you know, those would be schools that well, the children had no hope. I mean, mm. you're talking about educating people from, you know, kindergarten level through to 17 type yeah, of wow. thing. So, and that journey has continued to, we've had things, I just had one of those memories come up um, on my phone as well, where I went with Dean Downing, Russ Downing, uh, Yanto Barker, where we uh, were supporting an AIDS uh, orphanage uh, and, the, the, and their schooling and their education in a mining town in South Africa. Wow. And uh, so we've supported them for a long time. And then um, I think the one where we, where all of our passions lie is taking the kind of the youth market in mm. the townships mm. in Southern Africa mm. and getting them to uh, be educated appropriately and tutored correctly with a, with a carrot being you can ride a bike yeah. and be trained yeah. and, and, and have a, a, a cycling lifestyle. Yeah. Um, but you need to attend your after yeah. school tutoring yeah. and et cetera, et cetera. And that, and that has worked phenomenally well. Mm. You know, we've got uh, Kwana Katula, which is on the, on the East coast. We've got three in Cape Town, Kailicha being one of mm. the biggest townships mm. in Southern Africa. Um, and, and that's done phenomenally well. And out of that community of people, Nick Lamini, mm. um, 
there's no formal structure for recognizing talent either yeah. that comes out of these yeah. Uh, yeah. townships. So yeah. Nick Lamini came out of that and, mm. as you know, ended up being a world tour rider and we ended up hosting, you know, funding parties and auctions yeah. here at Giro's. I mean, and it, it was funny. I, I bumped into him when I was in Australia at the Tour Down Under in oh, yeah. 2018. Oh, you had the KOM that year, didn't yeah, you? He, yeah, he won, and th that was his first uh, pro race. Yes, for, uh, first multi-day pro race. Yeah, for um, uh, uh, Dimension Data. Mm. And we were at the sort of like the uh, the sort of like the the riders' rap party, and I mean, you know, look, he's a good-looking rooster. He was surrounded by Australian girls, and he was very polite and shy. He's you know not that type of guy. And I just mm. sort of interrupted, and you know, initially he was a little bit you know like who are you? But then I said, oh, you know, we uh, you know. I'm from Giro Nisha and he was like, oh, you know, and, and it was amazing because that was what, five years prior, we were, we, you know, mm. hosted the event for you guys to sort of, you know, just raise some awareness and some funds for him. And the fruits of that yes. were evident in that he was on the world tour, but more importantly than that, yeah, he had an education mm. that where other, you know, sort of people from his background may, maybe wouldn't have. Um, and again, well, those are some of the stories that, I, to, to your credit, you're not, shouting about which i think is a really good mm, thing mm. because especially with social media these days there can just be so much hype but there's no substance whereas you don't need to shout about it because you know that you're doing it you know that the 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 the, the, the partners that you're working with and the people that you're working with is having a great impact mm. you know you took one of the 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 swift brothers down there and you said he just he was just very emotional he mm -hmm. realized the impact that you know, the work that you guys are doing can have. Um, which uh, is, yeah. Ben Swift, ben, yeah. And ben, ben, yeah. ben became a really good <coughs> good mentor to Nick and to many other riders. Mm. And, uh, in fact, we hosted a, a track session there for the young track riders mm. in the Western Cape. Mm. And uh, we had a rematch of one of, <coughs> one of the Commonwealth Games finals mm. where Ben pipped a guy called Nolan Hoffman, which okay. is a South African sprinter, and we had a rematch. Oh, amazing. And then we had one of... Uh, so... Uh, so uh, Ben Swift got gold, uh, Nolan got silver, but it was by half a centimeter. Yeah, amazing. In a sprint. So we actually ended up doing a three-way sprint between the top young development rider was Shamik. Shamik, yeah. Was, yeah. He, 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 he was in our the London he was Paris. In, yeah, that's right. Terrifyingly strong. I know. I so, don't think he got out of his little ring all no. week. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a three-way three sprint uh, with all the kind of the youngsters um, hmm. watching and... Uh, uh, ben and Nolan were so focused on, you know, trying to repeat the Olympic or not the Olympic success yeah, yeah. that Shamich ended up taking oh, so the uh, taking the win and things like. That. So there's all of these kind of fun stories and what yeah. have you. Uh, but I think you're right. Is what we don't want to do is 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 use it as a marketing yes. device. Absolutely right. It's fulfilling the, the need that we're filling is that we're mm. doing good and we're mm. doing good willingly. Mm for our fellow human beings mm. and whether it's socially or environmentally, you're having an impact. Mm. And that should mm. that should hopefully be enough. Mm. And people know, you know, when they go to South Africa or some of the youngsters over here or riding London, Paris, something like mm. that, they can hear firsthand mm. what those stories are. Yeah, but I think it, it, it demeans and diminishes. Yeah. If, you, if you're shouting about if it, you, it becomes exactly. this marketing piece. Because then it's, essentially it's turning the, the attention back to you. That's not what it's about. No. And um, yeah. So, what next? What's next for Hot Chili? What have you got coming up? What's the plans? 
I'll probably have another small uh, whiskey. Uh, but uh, it's, again, a, a really good question because what's happened is we've navigated, you know, we've kind of had the pre-COVID era, we've had the kind of the entire being entirely virtual for almost two years. Mm. And we've now got the hybrid, the yeah. hybrid model. And, uh, you know, I'd be the first person to say that we're still um, pulling together all the strands that are associated with a hybrid yeah. model that mm. the um, running real world on the one hand <clears throat> you know we that was our bread and butter mm. then get into grips with the virtual world mm. that became our bread and butter mm. you know we're hosting 20 30 events a week mm. and then now the hybrid model and 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 making sure that the hybrid model is running mm. uniquely and efficiently and mm. things like that mm. is i mean it's like this massive door mm. or this world has opened mm. up to us and we're you know we're learning as we as we go along mm. Mm. you know the value of taking a digital relationship and manifesting itself in the real world. Yeah. And to your point, we said, you know, cheers, I'll see you on see the Swift or something yeah, like yeah. that. It, that um, really stopped me in my tracks. Y- yeah, yeah. You know, we've got we've got folk again. I've got a, a group, uh, a ride on RGT that I host uh, once on a on a Monday because that's the least ridden day of the week. So yeah, I thought sure. I'll, I'll host a ride on a Monday and see. We get fifty to one hundred and twenty people together. Amazing, you know, yeah. and it's and it's great chat, great banter, mm, and, mm, and, and, mm, and all of that. Mm. So it's for us, I think, to look at how all of these bits and pieces, mm-hmm. you know, fit together to really serve the needs of a global community yeah. of people who yeah. are passionate about cycling and doing good for what is around them. Um, people generally have a, have a big vision and a big picture in terms of what they want to do and what they want to achieve. And hopefully we'll be able to manifest that for this community mm. and and deliver loads more events mm. and loads more digital mm. products and capabilities, mm. you know, in the years to come. And re- and, and keep the brand energized, to your yeah, point yeah. that you said earlier. I, I think that COVID has, in retrospect, um, or the, the, the lockdown period, has been a good thing for us and the brand. Well, I think for businesses, it it, it, it showed, in, in my opinion, you know, and not taking away from, from any hardships because – it was a very, very difficult time, but I do believe that it showed the true resolve of many businesses. And I think that it showed, you know, um, really, you know, hot chili. I think that you guys were quick enough to adapt and to really strip things back and say, let's strip down to the bare bones. What do we do and what mm. do we do well? Mm. And let's amplify that. Yeah. And, I, you know, I think you guys are seeing the fruits of it. And I think now that things are opening up again and you're doing more events, I think that they'll be more richer. I think they'll be more uh, authentic because of that stripping down process mm. where it's not as noisy, but it's more focused and considered. Yeah, I think that that you're, you're absolutely right. And I think that there's probably many businesses and, and I, you know, I know for a fact, I mean, that probably every main board that sits within a company mm. was scratching their head two yeah. years ago thinking you know what do we do next yeah. and 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 people had to make the decision is um do we reevaluate what we do mm. and kind of repurpose the business or do we just hold our breath yeah. and see how long we can hold our mm. breath mm. Mm. and then come out the other side yeah. you know and continue to do what we used to do before mm. and there were you know i've read a, a few stories of you know like ikea within the space of two weeks as well Repurposed the business entirely and became yeah. an online became yeah. an online business. Yeah. You know, so you didn't have to go down, yeah. you know, try and strap a yeah. flat pack to your yeah. roof rack type of thing. Yeah, and you you know, there's I know of I know of a couple of individuals who 
are still, you know, lamenting and frustrated that things aren't the way they were. And it's like they're never going to be the way they were, no. pal. Like you've got to, you've got to adapt or, you know, die, you know, and that's, you know, from a business standpoint, of course. Uh, absolutely. I think, I think I sent you um, some kind of analytics mm. prior to, to coming down and meeting with you. And there was, there was, there's something very interesting about it. So the great thing is, you know, the data and analytics as well through the, through the platform yeah. kind of gives us a steer or a direction. Yeah. Um, and for instance, you know, we've learned that there are certain product needs out there yeah. in the marketplace, particularly post-COVID that don't exist yeah. and things like that mm. because the community is, is talking about it and referencing it and things like that. But um, the interesting thing is, do you, do you think that people talk more about, on our platform, do you think people talk more about coffee or more about Giro's? Uh, so I I would say that I would say that people talk more about Jiro. Yes, they the, do. The reason being is we we know that we're not a coffee shop. Yeah, we sell coffee, but that's not why people come. Correct. They come to meet with their friends. They come to meet with maybe have a business meeting, go mm -hmm. on a Jiro ride, go on a hot chili ride. That's why they come. Yeah. The coffee and everything that we serve and sell is secondary. It's a good secondary, and we we work really hard to make sure it's great coffee. But that's not where people come. Yeah. So I would say they speak more about Jira than coffee. So it's incredible because I then I just I sent you some of that stuff and then I looked. I said, oh well, how does it re how does it relate to coffee and things mm. like that? And as there's, you know, Jiro's is definitely mm. you know even within mm. our community is a community. Yeah. There is a there's a, a, yeah, a, a Jiro's micro community, and they're talking about. Uh, you know, meeting a Jiro's or Jiro's on the ride, start, mm. finish, mm. or whatever mm. it is. Mm. They're not saying mm. I'm. I want to go for a coffee, yeah. comma, should we go to Giro? Should we go to Giro, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, and hey, look, that's, that, that's really good to hear. I, I think the, the, the bigger picture of as a company, uh, Hot Chili starting out as just trying to cater for that community, you're utilising very uh, pioneering tools mm. to analyse data that steers your thinking. But that's not your, your. It's a tool that you're using to enhance that community. It's not. It doesn't. That's not the starting place. Mm -hmm. It always refers back to community, and it's just that, you know, that old, you know, sort of, you know, parable of just keep it simple, stupid. You know, yeah, like, yeah. if we just keep it simple, and just focus on those small things, and we can use all the tools, but as long as those tools keep it simple, then it's great. Sven, I've absolutely loved speaking to you, mate. Thank you. You know, I know that we have we have lunches and we have drinks and all that, but. You know, to just to, you know, really have some sort of face-to-face -face time and just delve a little bit deeper into your story and you know the story of Hot Chili has been a real honour. So thank you, mate. It's great. Well, thank thank you, Jordan. It's been an absolute absolute privilege, and it's probably in a single segment the longest discussion that we've ever had, and it's it's yeah, been maybe, super yeah, wonderful. Yeah. Well, look, I know that there'll be you know, plenty more times you know for us to chat, and I hope that there'll be some you know good opportunities for Jira and Hot Chili to do some things together. Probably something like a IRL slash virtual whiskey tasting. There so. you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll do something. We'll do yeah, a bit of a hybrid. That's a good idea. Excellent. Love it. All right. Thanks. Sir. Thank you.